Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is up? And welcome once again to another very special episode of On the Corner. We are joined today by not only a movie connoisseur, not only an astounding father to his adorable Dachshund Miley and his two kids, not only someone who has a lifetime pass to every and all MLB game, but the man who is responsible for throwing what is one of the best pitches of the past decade in his curveball, and that is Jerry Blevins. Jerry, thank you so much for being here with us today. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. What an intro. I hope I live up to that. <laughs> you pulled me up. I feel good. I'm ready to go. Oh, man. Uh, so first and foremost, how are you coping with Corona? Um, I'm actually, it's it's weird because uh, we're still out here in Arizona. Um, my family and I, we live in Ohio. So we decided to just, you know, weather the storm in Arizona. It's warm. You know, we can get outside. We have a backyard. I uh, keep our two boys, you know, occupied and, and able to get outside at least, you know, see the sunshine. So we're doing okay here. I'm just, you know, like everybody across the country, you know, worried about the safety of family and friends and and, and people that, you know, just across America and across the world, just, you know, weathering it out as best as can be, trying to keep my arm in shape and uh, just, just living, man. Yeah. I mean, so like keeping your arm in shape, I think that's the question a lot of us have is just... Like, what is that like? Are you, um, you know, are you trying to pitch every five days or something like that? Is it every day to some degree? I mean, what were you doing to kind of be ready whenever the call is to go back to spring training? Uh, that's, you know, you kind of get it as, as good as you can. So I, I've been around the game long enough to have a, a bunch of teammates that live in this area. So like yesterday, we went to a park uh, up by where Trevor Cahill lives, and we literally played catch in, in a park. You know, there's a kid on a dirt bike zooming by while we're working on our, you know, he's throwing those nasty sinkers and I'm trying to, to get my timing right on my land foot. Like, it's crazy. And so I like to throw, you know, at least three, four times a week in general uh, in the off season. But it's it's really difficult because not only just because of the limitations that we have for facilities and, and stuff like that, but there's no like end there's no like end that you're looking at like in the off season you're focused on a date in spring training here we're like all right well when do i ramp it up because we have no idea and so you're trying to like idle but not you know throw too much but you definitely don't want to get caught off guard so i'm always of the the ilk that i would be rather be over prepared than under prepared so i'm trying to stay as sharp as i can as long as i can sure yeah so i i want to talk to you you know your 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 curveball is like I said. I mean, when you look at the numbers, it, it truly is one of the 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 top pitches in the last decade. I mean, when when I was looking at um, Woba on that curveball, it's at 182, which is right near guys like Clayton Kershaw, Craig Kimbrell, David Robertson. When when did you first kind of find this pitch? And I just wanted to hear kind of your your thoughts about your evolution through it uh, throughout your career. Yeah, so I mean, if we start like really young, I think my curveball was the f- the first 
second pitch of my career, like my life when I was probably 11. Uh, it was something that I, I always had a good arm, um, but I, I always wanted to throw a curveball. You know, I saw it, I always saw it on TV, um, something big, a big breaker. And so when I was starting to throw it, if I could see the break, because you know, when you're a little kid, you throw a slider or a changeup, you don't see anything. You, you physically can't tell out of your hand. And so when I'm 11, 12 years old, the bigger, the better. So I learned to slow it down and it just kind of took off from there. I threw it all through high school. I got to college and it was more, um, you know, working on command. Uh, so I, I didn't throw it as much. And then when my, I got into pro ball, it kind of took off from there because I was able to talk to some really smart people. Uh, and just kind of fine-tune it. And uh, I think once I got into the A's organization, um, I had Scott Emerson as my double-A manager. He is now the uh, big league pitching coach for the A's. Uh, once I got traded over there, he was really able to kind of harness the mentality of what I'm trying to do with it, mm-hmm. which is which is basically get swings and misses. It's to, to keep hitters off balance. It's not um, – it's not a tunnel pitch that a lot of people throw now that looks and comes out of the same you know avenue as a fastball. It's it keeps people off balance, and so I've just toyed with speed, toyed with angle, and just uh, just enjoyed throwing it you know from as long as I can remember. Man, it, it, it's such a great pitch. I, I gotta say, like watching it too. I mean, that thing's coming in like 70, 72 if you're lucky, and it's just it, like as a hitter, I can just imagine you're just thinking, what is this? You know? <laughs> yeah, so that's right? the exact reaction. And you're six, you're six six too, and you're lanky as well. So I mean, that's also starting way behind left-handers, and that thing is just on a mission, I guess, to somehow find the plate, and it does often. And you also talk about swing strike rate. You would think this would be like a big called strike pitch, which it was, but it was. I mean, we're talking over twenty percent swing strike rate for a curveball, which isn't common. I mean, we normally see. We're happy to see like fifteen percent or sixteen, and to see it that high on a curveball, especially one like seventy, it, it really is a special pitch. It, it, it's fantastic. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's like I, I just has always enjoyed showing it, and it's one of those things where, like, even my own teammates that I would face in the past, they just get mad when they miss it. They're like, "How am I missing this thing?" It's like a slow pitch softball that they that they just swing at and they they just don't understand. And so that's my favorite thing is to see some like a hitter walk back shaking his head and like he'll look at me like, "What the hell, man?" Right. I'm like, "Oh, you should be better." Yeah. <laughs> so th- th- this is actually this is kind of interesting. I I just kind of looked this up real quick on the fly cuz I was curious. It looks like last year and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you threw that more in OO counts than ever before. You started off guys almost 50% of the time with that curveball last year. And I believe, uh, yeah, it looks like 2017 was your highest before that at 42%. So this was a pretty stark jump. Was this something that you wanted to focus on where you, you know, guys were getting more aggressive. It seems in OO counts. Were you trying to take advantage of that or was it just a buy batter kind of thing? Uh, well, it, it started off kind of by batter last year. It was definitely an orchestrated, uh, thing like the front office in Atlanta, um, really emphasized my curveball. They showed me statistics like, here, this is especially right-handers. They're like, this is what right-handers do against your fastball, which is not very good for me. <laughs> and this is what they do against curveballs. And so, you know, they're like, just throw your curveball more often. Uh, and with OO, if a right-hander sees a curveball, righties and lefties alike, if they see a curveball coming, especially one that's like a slow breaker, they're like, I'll wait 
you know, if I can get it, if I know if I can get ahead with it, they don't want to swing at it early. They don't want to swing at it late either. So they're like, all right, well, maybe I'll, I'll get ahead 1-0 and, and be in an advantage count. So it was like stealing a strike, but it's also being able to get an early out if they want to roll it over. So it's a win-win. Definitely. Uh, so, so you've had a lot of your career as a loogie a bit. Uh, I mean, with the Mets, you had 75 games in 2017 and just 49 innings. And we've been talking to a lot of pitchers. Um, we try to find a lot of things behind the current that we're not really privy to. Uh, one major thing I love to ask is the metrics that you look at before a game. You know, when we say, okay, cool, we're going to talk about these guys in particular and how you prepare for them. So what's it like being a loogie? I imagine there's certain things saying, okay, in today you might face this guy, this guy, this guy. And is it always the same plan of attack? Is it just kind of really easy for you to get that locked in uh, for that potential moment in the game? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 all about knowing what your job is and being able to prepare properly. Uh, I'm sure if you guys, it's the same thing. If your boss tells you this is specifically your job, this is what we want you to do, it's a lot easier to understand what it is that you're trying to do. And so I, I take every piece of information that I can and, and go from there. Um, and for me, being in the NL East, we had all all had the you know the big lefties. I think the the National League especially in my career has always been the best all the best left-handed hitters are in the mm-hmm. national league and all of the the top ones i guess i'm biased have all been in the nl east because i've had you know yelich and ichiro in miami um murphy uh daniel murphy um juan soto then you have uh bryce harper of course um Marquecas, uh uh freddie freeman who i think is the best left-handed hitter in the game like i just had all these guys you know, Michael Conforto in New York, like all these guys um, are the, at the, the prime. And so I know when I look at the lineup every day, they're probably between three and five, you know, and they're probably stacked. So I know exactly, you know, come the sixth, seventh inning, I'm looking at the, the progress of the game, where they're going to be, when they're going to come up. And I know how to attack them because I prepared the night before that morning, that day, I know how to attack them. I've watched their at-bats, and I'm able to read pitch-to-pitch, pitch too. So it's it's just all about preparation, trusting your stuff, and trusting what you, you've got going forward. Cool. Do you, so you, you've, over the course of your now 13-plus year career, you've been with five different organizations. I just wanted to hear about how you maintain your sense of self when it comes to pitching. I mean, like you said, you want, you you obviously seem uh, very malleable, right? You, you went to Atlanta, and they said, hey, we, we kind of want you doing this a little bit. Um, but how do you then, you know, hold on to who you are as a pitcher? Um, I, the the number one thing for me is is you're always learning. You're always trying to get better. Um, whether it's grip, it's just talking strategy, it's it's chatting. I think every day you're trying to get better. And so whenever you go to an organization, you're trying to soak up as much info as you can. Uh, everybody has an opinion, and a lot of people are really smart, and a lot of people are way smarter than me. And so you try to soak it up as much as you can and use it. But at the same time, you know, it's me on the mound. So I take what I do at the best, and then if anybody can help me kind of tweak it or, or adjust uh, maybe a thought process or, or an attack zone, uh, and I move on from there. And so at the big league level, it's, it's easy to make that transition from organization to organization because, you know, like you said, as an established person, they know what they're getting when they trade for me or when they sign for me. This is, you know, I've prided myself on being very reliable, you know, and, and knowing what you're going to get when I go into the game. And so that's what they want. So, you know, when you're younger, it's a little bit harder because you're trying to impress your team. But as a, as a big leaguer, they know what they're getting. 
Nice. And I mean, to that note about kind of shifting organizations, uh, it was remarkable. I remember 2015, uh, you were traded the week of opening day. I mean, you've been going through spring training uh, with, with the Nationals all of a sudden. Hey, now you're on the Mets, the team you've been planning against for a while. What was that like? That must have been a, a wild experience for you. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm always naive to like the goings on of, of you know, the, the, the baseball stuff. But even I was like, all right. I pitched against the Mets like the last three appearances. I went back to back like at this point. I was like, I feel like something's going on. Like they're showcasing me. Uh, I don't know what's happening. And then, you know, guys, there were some, you know, some of the writers and guys said there were some rumblings going on that they're trying to trade me. And so I was like, oh, great. You know, it's something that's out of my control. I loved it in Washington. But if, you know, if I can go someplace that really wants me and, and appreciates what I bring to the table, then so be it. And so I just... It was tough for the family because we moved, you know, we had a place set up in Arlington ready to go for the national season. Uh, and then we had to move to Manhattan. And so that's not an easy right. thing to, to, you know, sure. the, you guys both know signing a lease in, in Manhattan is like a three month um, process where they, they want to know your bank, you know, your bank statements, everything. And so it's a, a huge invasion of privacy, not to mention, I'm like, hey, can I get a six-month lease? So just logistically, it was hard, but baseball-wise, it, it is right. what it is. You can't just show yeah, up and I... say, I'm Jerry Blevins. Like, what? what are you... <laughs> it's, it's, this is yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, they're like, who? Why do we care? You're a, you're a Met. We only care about the Yankees. So other yeah. than that. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so what, but, you know, when you were with the Nationals, though, that, that was kind of the first time in 2014 that, that that curveball usage really, really shot up, going over to over 40% for the first time in your career. Was that a change that the Nationals wanted you to make, or is this something that you kind of wanted to try on your own a little bit, or a mixture of both? Um, yeah, like I said before, nothing's ever like solo on me. Uh, it's very collaborative, but it was definitely a choice that I made personally was to use it. Um, the the couple of years before, I'd say probably 2011, I started throwing a cutter. It was something to kind of get in on righties and kind of you know get a, a easy chase away to a lefty. And then that year in in Washington in 14, my, my cutter started getting really big, um, started to be like a flat slider and it was getting hit pretty good. And so my secondary pitch I had to go to, um, you know, my changeup was kind of spotty at the time. And so I was like, all right, old reliable, you know, uh, it's me and my curveball, my fastball are going to get me there. And so it was the thing that I was like, all right, well, if you're going to, if you're going to do it, this is how you do it. And, uh, we just attacked and started using it a lot more in it. And I started to gain more confidence with it and it kind of evolved from there. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you talk about that cutter because, I mean, 6'6", six, six, also you kind of have a low arm angle, right? It's not like completely over the top. And you're exactly right. Typically we do see that. Drew Pomerantz is someone that comes to mind too that has that cutter coming in a bit. I mean, actually he's gone away from it as well. Um, so it, also in favor of that curveball. So that's actually a, a popular thing, even though, I mean, fast, your Orioles are like finally okay with cutters and maybe that pans out for them. I know he's shaking his head. All right, fine. But... Uh, <laughs> Because they're gonna, because they'll probably be fine with a cutter, and then like, you know, change up or curveballs the next big pitch, and they're like, well, you can't throw that one, right? No, but no, but it's great to see you transition though to a curve. I mean, that's that's something I think a lot of people, especially in 2014 to 15, you don't really see too often. I mean, a lot of people would stick with their guns a bit, I think, at that time. And nowadays, we're all like, hey, change this by five percentage points or something. Like, okay, great, you know, that's easy to do. And and back then, it was it was a little bit harder. Um, I wanted to to ask a little bit about kind of the, the coaching that you've had. Um, and uh, specifically with the Mets, there's a lot of talk about Dan Worthen. I know the Worthen slider is more so for for higher velocity sliders. 
Uh, but it still was it was there a discussion with Dan about kind of maybe making that work for you, or what was your experience like with him? So I, I loved Dan as a a as a person and b as a coach. He he worked with me um, more on like a mental approach, um, kind of what he sees. Um, it was the first time that I went into a like a pitchers meeting. So every time you have um, a new new team comes into town, every new series the day of the first thing you do is you, they go over the, these coaches have been dissecting film and looking at stats and they're like, all right, this is their weak spots. We, we look at the, you know, how we're going to the game plan basically. Uh, but he did it for me specifically. He's like, all right, Blev, this is how I would attack if I were you. And that was a unique perspective for me because I knew that he was doing his job in a sense of where, all right, if I were Jerry, this is how I would pitch. And I appreciated that. And so him and I kind of had a lot of like philosophical talk on, on how to approach. So uh, I never could throw the Dan Worthen slider. <laughs> I tried to throw a slider, you know, I think starting in 05. Uh, all the coaches when I was with the Cubs were like, your arm angle, you could throw this, you know, Randy Johnson slider, right, what right, later right. became the Chris Sale slider, but it was just never in the cards for me. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, if I could throw it 94, like, like DeGrom, uh, I think I would do it, but it's just, nope. Not for me. Yeah, but they don't have your curveball, so that's okay. It's all yeah, right. Oh, no, yeah. It's two Cy Youngs are a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> hey, none of those guys are on this podcast, though. So. There you go. The there it is. Hey, there you go. Uh, so you, you can actually then probably help both Fangraphs and Baseball Savant clarify something here because you did mention throwing that cutter. You also mentioned throwing that, that slider for once and for all. And I want to see if we can actually get them to fix this, too. Can you set the record straight? Who is correct between Fangraphs, which has four-seam curve cutter change, or Baseball Savant, which has four-seam sinker curve slider change? Uh, Fangraphs. Fangraphs is right. I've never thrown a sinker in my whole life. That is right next to the slider on... You know, I've tried about 2,000 grips on both and just I can't do it. Like there's certain things that you can and can't do. So I've never thrown a sinker. Uh, I've never thrown a slider. So it's fastball, curveball, change up, and then that cutter every once in a while. So Fangraphs nailed it. Nice. Um, so back to kind of like the, the coaching that you've had and everything. Was there a certain mound visit that you've had that is just stuck in your mind? That's like the most memorable one you've had. So it's uh, it's it's Worthen. So there was a moment uh, we were playing the Nationals, and it was Murphy, and uh, it went Murphy Harper, and it was a big moment. And I come out and and I get out Harper, or I get out Murphy, and he comes jogging out, and I'm like, Dan, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> uh, he was like, he was like, uh, he was like, I hadn't come out all day. He goes, uh, I wanted to get my TV time. My wife said that I was looking handsome today, so I wanted to get on TV. I was like, <laughs> I go, I go, Dan, are you serious right now? You're trying to steal my shine? And he's like, well, hey, when, you, when you're looking good, you got to take advantage of it. And uh, he slapped me on the butt and jogged off. And Darno, who was catching at the time, looked at me, and we both just laughed. And he went back there and went back and sat down. And I'm walking around the mound going, I can't believe that just happened. Oh, yeah, so Dan, I'm sure he doesn't even remember it. Dan's like one of the best at keeping things light, and I think he just, you know, probably wanted to come out and uh, lighten the load. But it was hilarious. Oh, that's that fantastic! Is, 
that nothing has shown how dumb our job is, Nick. Because like we watch these games and we're like, they're talking about game plan. They're talking about how to approach this hitter. What's going on with that curveball? You know, it's like, no, nah, I'm looking good I, today. I would have been, I would have been screaming at the TV like, what are you, what are you meeting with the four? He's, he's in a group. Don't interrupt us. You know? Like, what is I'm sure, I'm sure there was, there was plenty of that going on. And he, they do come out and say, you know, in a big situation, they feel it. But you know, for the most part, it's. If the if somebody's coming out, I never get a mound visit from the pitching coach. Right, if I'm right. if I get a, you know, I'm facing three hitters at a time. If somebody comes out, it's the manager to be like, "Sorry, bud." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, jog off the field." Oh, you know? but, uh, so to get a to get a mound visit in general is just a just a uh, a treat as is. So uh, this is actually a good segue from what you just mentioned. Um, yeah, MLB is changing this rule. Whenever we do play, which crossing your fingers is this summer. Um, yeah, they're changing the rules so that you have to face three batters now. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, again, as I mentioned before, you have experience being a loogie, or maybe sometimes two with Harper or Murphy or whatever, but how, how are you approaching that? How do you feel about it? Um, like, personally, I, I hate the rule. Like, it, it's, it's, as a fan of the game, I feel like it's a change that doesn't need to be made. I feel like my job is phasing out anyway. I mean, there's only really two of us left. It's me and Oliver Perez. Um, right, right. There's so much talent in today's game, so many young arms that can come in and get both. You know, they, they're looking for that versatility. So I feel like I feel like it's phasing out anyway. You know, it's the game's cyclical. So um, plus I don't I don't like taking managers' decisions out of their hands. You know, sure. National League Baseball is different because it's fun, because the manager has a real impact on the game. And if you start doing, you know, start taking decisions away, you know, you're, 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 you're taking the manager's chance to impact the game. Uh, you know, if you have a really good manager, he makes a smart move, you know, you're, you're, you're just missing out on an aspect of the game and, and you're making it kind of bland. So... And, and- and it hurts personally, but, 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 uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't like change for change sake. And so that's, that's how I feel. Now, now you're talking about, you know, NL versus AL and I, okay. I'm personally someone that wants the DH in both leagues. I know that's not a popular opinion. There's multitude of reasons, but if we had that, we wouldn't have the four at bats that Jerry Blevins has had, including one RBI in 2018. Uh, can you work that out with us? What happened there? I mean, it, it's a beautiful thing. Like when everybody, so when anybody, <laughs> whenever anybody asks me about the, the DH, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. You can put the DH in now. I've already got my hit. Like, thank right, you. Right. Like, we're good. Uh, yeah, getting a hit. It's, I still, like you can tell, uh, I'm smiling. I can't stop. Like, it's a beautiful thing to have. I get a major league hit. What a joke. Like, look at a guy. I dreamed about it my whole time as a, as a little kid. Every time I, I would step up to the plate imaginary, you know, I'm pitching, but I'm also hitting. So to get a, to get a knock at the big league level is, is it's, it's wonderful. It's like, it's one of my career highlights and it's, I have it at home in a, in a special spot in my office. It's lovely. So, so what was the at bat? You got to work us through this. Yeah. 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 yeah so I'll, I'll kind of walk you through my first at bat. Uh, which was in, gosh, 2000, I want to say 2012 or 13. It was in Oakland, in Oakland uh, against the Angels. So we played like 15 innings and I had pitched like three out of the the three previous days. So I was supposed to have a day off uh, and we're going into like the 15th inning or the 13th inning. I run down from the bullpen. I run down to the dugout and I tell Melvin, Bob Melvin, our manager, I was like, hey, I'm going to go put my cleats on and like, or I'm going to go warm up and get ready 
I'll be down in a minute. Put me in before you put a position player in because I'm not losing a uh, I'm not losing a division game because uh, I didn't want to pitch. And he's like, no, no way. And so I just I run up and I get my arm loose really quick in the clubhouse. And as I'm coming down, he goes, you know, he goes, hurry up. And so I jog from the dugout right onto the the bullpen mound and get loose and I go into the game. So I have no idea what's kind of going on. Um, so I come out of the game, get the last out. I'm walking off the field and uh, Melvin goes, great job. He goes, you're up first. I'm like what? <laughs> what does that even mean? He goes, you're up first. I was like, I, uh, I'm going to go sit down. He, I was like, I, I, I'm not sure what you mean. He goes, no, you're batting first. I go, what? He goes, we lost our DH. We had to make a substitute, get a helmet, get a glove or get some gloves and get a bat and get out there. So I'm like scrambling going, I don't even know what to do. So, they hand the stuff to me. I've got somebody else's helmet on, somebody's glove, a random bat, and I walk up, and I'm, like, scared to death. So this is 2012, but my last at-bat was in 2001 in high school. <laughs> and it's a guarantee a guy throwing 75. So I walk up to the plate, oh, man. and I'm like, oh, man, I'm go- I go to get in the box, and the umpire's like, Blev, back up. He's got, like, five warm-up pitches left. <laughs> <laughs> I got to think about other stuff too. And so like it ended up, you know, I ended up fouling like three balls off straight to the left field, like right down the line. I almost got a hit and I'm like, all right, I almost took that one yard. It's gotta be a change. Now I was all over that pitch and I'm standing there and he throws a fastball right by me and I watch it for strike three. And I'm like, duh, why would he throw me a changeup? And I'm walking off the field. I feel great. My teammates are going crazy. The fans that are in right field in Oakland are chanting, Jerry, Jerry. Like, it was a beautiful moment. And so I'm feeling great. The next day I show up to the field, Coco Crisp has put on all of our TVs uh, like a, a quick, like, gif of me fouling the ball off and what I thought was, like, way out front. Like, I just missed a home run. I'm actually – nicking it almost out of the catcher's glove. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a bench warmers thing where like, I'm just fouling off. Like I ticked it. Uh, so well, I, you know, I felt great about it until I saw the result the next day, you know, fast forward, fast forward, you know, until 2018 and I'm facing a position player. I know Scott Kingery is on the mound. We're, we're up, you know, like 18 runs or something. And, uh, Mickey Callaway's like, hey, do you want an at-bat? I'm like, hell yeah, I want an at-bat. I'm over three in my career. I'm coming up. <laughs> and so I see him warming up, and he's throwing these, like, 30-mile-an-hour lob balls. And I'm like, no way he's going to do that. And I'm, st- like, on deck. I'm, like, psyching myself out. I was like, if I swing and miss at the first one, like, I'm probably going to strike out. And it's going to be so embarrassing. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to attack the first pitch I see. I don't care where it is, what it looks like. If he lobs this in and, and he's trying to set me up and throws a fastball by me, so be it. So he throws it up. I'm like, oh, I can hit this. Line drive up the middle. Bases were loaded. Could have been two RBI, but like I said, we were winning. But it was just an RBI single, and I haven't wiped the, the grin off my face for two years. So Absolutely that's amazing. Awesome. Man, that's uh, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's that's the dream. Yeah. You know, that, that's what it's all about. I hope I didn't, I hope I didn't ramble on because I can talk no. about that's for too long oh please, please i continue. like i think seriously we probably just both felt like kids in a candy store listening to that that was really <laughs> really awesome to hear it, it seriously it seriously was oh amazing um, let's keep it on this kind of lighter note then too because I, I i have to say you have one of the funnier 
Wikipedia paragraphs I've ever seen for a pitcher. I don't know if you've checked it out. Someone literally took the time to write in that not only is your nickname Gordo, they make sure to include the fact that everyone knows that it's indeed Spanish for fat. So, (laughs) (laughs) A, I I haven't checked it out, but I'm going to now. Uh, But that's thank you to whoever took the time or cared enough to, to translate my nickname uh, to, to English for, for those that don't know that. So why is it Gordo? Why is it? Yeah. So there was a, so when we came up with that players weekend, it was kind of like a, nobody really knew what was going on. And I was with the, with the Mets at the time. And uh, Cespedes had been my teammate. I think this is like his fourth year. Cause we were in together in Oakland and then came over to New York and Cespedes is a great guy. He always calls me Gordo. So he had all the Latin guys and half of the clubhouse staff calling me Gordo. And I was like, all right, well, there's there's a nickname because they, they asked for it in like May. They're like, all right, we need it for September or whatever it was. We need it now so the MLB can run it through proper channels to make sure it's not innuendo or anything like that or promoting a brand or something. And so I had to submit it. I was like, all right, just Gordo. So Cespedes is literally the only one that calls me that. But, <laughs> but awesome. uh, it works. Yeah, it works. And it made my Wikipedia page, so apparently it was important to leave one person. <laughs> oh, it, what is that? What is that Spanish for? Four? Do you guys know what Spanish oh, for? Oh, it's Spanish for fat. All you ah, have to do yes. is check the, yeah, check the oh, Wikipedia page. That's right. Ah, I yeah, didn't even know you. that. Yeah, thank you Yeah, so yeah, of course. Of course. It's um, a fun right, on really, how fat I am. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, you guys can't see this, but Jerry is rocking this mustache right now that is killer. Oh, it's amazing. Um, uh, I'm thinking about breaking out the wax sometime if we can. That's the goal is to be able to. I don't know if I'll do like the the, the twisties, but at least because I have a Nick can understand and and Alex even a little bit like I don't grow like a full manly beard. Oh, no, I don't have. Yeah. Sorry to to call you guys beards out like that. It's all all good. Uh, I but, love being called a, a prepubescent boy by a by a major league <laughs> man. <laughs> well, I'm I'm saying I have the same beard sure. issues, yeah. and so uh, this mustache has grown in a lot thicker than I thought it would. And so I'm like, hey, what the hell? I'll, I'll ride it out, see if I can get some like products because I couldn't ever use beard oil. That you know, I played with Keiko last year, who had the <laughs> beard of all time. He looks like Leonidas. Uh, and so if I could have anything, I'll take this. Yeah, right. Oh. Oh, no, I'm jealous. I've always wanted that, like cop mustache I, can, I don't even come close to that it just looks like it's yeah. bleeding out of my nose that's what my mustache looks like every single time so, <laughs> so that's a wonderful visual <laughs> so i'm very jealous oh. right now of what you yeah. both are rocking as fast you still have the mustache the beard too but very you might prominent. be the, the only person uh that is jealous of this mustache most people <laughs> like i said my wife was like are you really you're really taking this social distancing to another level with that so I'm telling you, I think I do think it looks very good. I think it looks great. Um, I think it's right. going on. Like no offense, like no pun intended, but I think she's starting to like it. She, she I might, it might just be because she got sick of the the old Jerry, and she's like, oh, there's a new guy. Suave, <laughs> Gordo Suave over here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. I think we uh, like you, you've already given us so much of your time. So why don't we, let's move on to this last question here, which is a question that we love to ask anyone who is willing to answer it. I, is there one sequence that has stuck with you that you really remember? It could be from high school, it could be from college, obviously it could be recently, it could be success or failure. One that has stuck with you uh, in your career. 
Yeah. So um, when you, I talked to you a little bit when you asked me to do this, Alex, I kind of looked back and tried to think of a specific sequence that, that um, stuck out to me. And, and it really isn't there. There are a few at bats that stick out, but nothing where, unless I dove back into it, that I would remember exact pitch to pitch. But I know, I know there's instances where, you know, I, I slow the game down on the mound, so sequencing really matters to me. You know, there's some guys that go out there and then they pitch, get three outs, they come and sit on the bench, excuse me, and they're like, what was that second pitch you threw to so-and-so? And he's like, what? What just happened? You know, it just goes a blur to most guys. But for me, that's, you know, I slow the game down because, you know, I don't have electric fastball that that's I could just blow by somebody. I have to think about what I'm doing. I'm, you know... I play chess versus, you know, guys trying to play checkers. So I try to keep guys off balance. But there was um, one of the first times I used a left-on-left changeup in a sequence where I was like, I got him. I was, uh, it was with Christian Yelich when he was his first year with the Brewers. Uh, we're at his place, and it's a big situation. I think there's a runner on third. And uh, no, I think we're up one or two runs, and, and he's up, and he's, you know, doing his thing. He's, he's stepped and in, came really into his own there. And uh, he was always a good hitter in in Miami, but when he went to Milwaukee, he became an even more of like a power threat. And so I remember thinking I had him set up. I could either go curveball in the dirt, but he had just seen one two pitches before. And it was a one-two pitch, and it was a good one. It was a chase one, and he fouled it off. And then uh, I threw him a fastball in on his hands for ball two, and uh, I threw a good curveball, a swing and miss, chase pitch and he spit on it because he knew it was coming you know i thought to my head and to myself i can either come in with a fastball again throw a curveball which he's already seen three times already or i've been setting him up i haven't thrown him a changeup at all and so i was like all right i'll just throw a changeup and i never want to throw it for a strike i want him to chase i was like all right if i walk him i've got a base open he's their best hitter we can just move on and so i threw him a changeup and as he's swinging, I remember him going, oh, that's a changeup. Like I could see it. He tried to slow it down. He like half-hearted swung and kind of looked at me and was like, okay, all right, I got that. And, you know, and walked to the dugout. And that made me proud. It was one of those things where it was, it was trust your instincts and trust your stuff and move past it. It was definitely out of my comfort zone. But it's something, you know, against uh, such a quality hitter like that, that that makes you feel good. Oh, yeah, definitely. God. I mean, that, that's, that's. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Good. That's, that's what you dream of, right? Like getting Yelich to say, "Oh man, you got me." Yeah, he was but, like, oh, and, "You have and, to invent stuff." <laughs> <laughs> but that's what that's what's so awesome to hear too. Is like you could have probably so easily. There are probably so many amazing strikeouts on your curveball, and the fact that you're like, "Yeah, I." It's like you said, that's chess versus checkers. You didn't just blow a curveball by a guy. You, you really outthunk an MVP. Right. Yeah. That's okay. So. You talked about, there's a lot, we talked about the evolution of kind of analytics. I don't know if you were going to get to another question, but uh, one of one of the things we talked about was kind of, I started the, the my career and video was almost new. You know what I mean? Watching video regularly was kind of a, getting into a new thing. Uh, and then analytics have taken over and it's like half the, half the people doing scouting reports are not like pitching coaches anymore. They're coming up with it. They're numbers guys and they're really smart and it's just a different approach. The, the difference is like for me, I could never throw that change up to Christian Yelich because the numbers say throw your curveball. If you're going right, to get, right. get beat on your best pitch. And so there's a, you know, hopefully we've swung from one direction 
you know, a lot of people at the, the, the beginning were like, you know, analytics, it's a, just a, a numbers game. It's, you know, kind of nerd baseball. It's fantasy baseball. It's never going to stick. And now we've swung all the way over to where, you know, analytics, you know, I feel like we're in an era where a lot of the decisions are made pitch by pitch based on if something goes wrong, how can they answer to their superiors or even to the media sure. with what went wrong? They're like, well, he threw his curveball there. It's what he's supposed to throw. He got beat on the best pitch number said. So I feel like a lot of things are swung into the direction of numbers. And I feel like baseball is at its best if you can go somewhere in a happy media, maybe leaning towards analytics because, you know, I didn't know why my curveball was good. I knew basically what it was, but to see the the rotation and what it does, like analytics, advanced, you know, advanced um, cameras, that kind of stuff has really like allowed me to appreciate what it is that makes a makes a certain pitch really good. And so I think you need to find that happy medium. And I hope the evolution of the game uh, kind of starts to, to to marry both of them. I mean, I love everything you just said about that. We, Alex and I talk about this all the time where we actually very much believe that there is the middle ground, you know, instead of just the analytics. I mean, we have, we have a stat, CSW, which is actually spawned because I'd be watching guys, but like, there's something about called strikes that we're not getting because that's something that isn't really being factored in with swing strikes, and then that's where that came from. So I think what you're really pinpointing is exactly when we talk about old school, what they really mean is the, the gamesmanship right? Like on the mound, yes, we have this information that this pitch is better than that pitch, fine, but it's all probabilities. Like 75% of the time, this is going to work well 35% of the time. But if you do it, what's the ceiling of that one? And you really understand as a pitcher, you know, that moment, why that's so special to you is because that changeup isn't supposed to normally work and you did something out of your comfort zone, out of your shell, and you, you, you know, you, you executed when you normally don't with it. And that's what makes it so special. And that's the part of the game that, you know, you look at some greats, and I, I, I got to say, watching some games, uh, I, I the ones I love is, whoa, he whipped that pitch out and he executed it when we haven't seen it for ages. That's the, the fun of it. Um, and so when we normally hear that pushback of analytics taking over and stuff, that's normally where it is. Um, so what, how you just articulated, that was fantastic. That was a really, really good look at it, I think. Hey, and uh, also congratulations on the CSW. I mean, you called it WOBA. The weighted on base average against. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, what do you call CSW? Do you just call it CSW? Yeah, just CSW. Yeah, just CSW. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Kuswa, like it doesn't. Have yeah, a I know it doesn't <laughs> have like a Kuswa. Kuswa could be. We could, fun. We could do like so. Kaswa? Yeah, no. Kaswa? Yeah, okay. I, I thought about that because you know I read it. I don't get to 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 have a conversation, especially with somebody the people that created it, something, and so you know to ask GIF versus GIF. Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, I just want to make sure I heard it first, or when it, you know, I don't know if you remember when Harper was on uh, Sports Center and he May said May. Mimi. Yes, May May. Yeah, May yeah. May. So I don't. Oh, I didn't man. want to do one of those. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, no, really, that's that means a lot that, that you yeah, seriously you're saying that. Um, we think it's so just what, kind of a natural evolution. What uh, you you kind of talked about where you saw like where where you saw it filled in how do you think somebody like from my standpoint could best used best use csw or do you think it's something more uh like a front office or you know what do you how do you see and can you see me using what you guys created to help better what i do i think that's a great great question i i would say i think a lot of people are obsessed with swing strike rate just in general right i need to get more whiffs on that slider or you're saying curveball and 
really understand that it's not all about them. You know, a good example to us is Aaron Nola and how effective he is with his fastball. And he isn't a guy that's going to be pushing a 15% swing strike right? like Eric Cole or anything like that. But he's going to be competitive every year because he's able to put his fastball backdoor to guys effectively. I, uh, we actually just watched uh, Roy Halladay's no-hitter today um, from the NLDS. And I, he did so well as just putting that cutter inside to right-handers and surprise them just endlessly. And we would look inside of our numbers and look at that pitch and be like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe that's, you know, that's good and you know, as good results, but why? This is a good example. So as a, as a pitcher, you say, okay, maybe it's not – maybe I'm getting lucky with BABIP or something like that. No, 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 I'm getting the called strikes that I need to get, and it's showing that your plan of attack is working. Um, so it's it's a good way of over you know overseeing your pitch and saying, okay, I don't need to miss a ton of bats if I'm getting a lot of the called ones. Um, I would probably say, like, Kyle Hendricks and his two-seamer. Um, the way that he's able to get strikeouts with it. Um, that's a really good that's example. That's a good one. To be like yeah. like two strike counts. What's a good CSW? Not necessarily just for uh, just for swing strike, but also like that turns into put away rate, which also Alex wrote about as well. So it's there's it's just a different framework for your pitches to see kind of what kind of attack you want and know like okay, this pitch can do that, this one can't. Well, and that's also. So, to, sorry to, to jump on that for a second too. I mean, we we talked earlier on the podcast about you throwing more curveballs and OO counts, right? So yeah. I did a quick search and saw what the CSW was on those curveballs in OO counts, and last year it was also a career high at twenty five percent CSW and OO counts. So you're getting more called strikes and whiffs. You're not only are you throwing it more, you are legitimately having more success getting to that O one count. Now, theoretically, there are larger factors at play about what this means for other ERA indicators like your Sierra but like yeah th- to me this just shows like hey not only did you do it you successfully executed it which is which is just great and also the fact that you even asked us about it means yeah, that right? Nick and I can die we can die <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, that, that's amazing I've never thought that would ever happen honestly yeah that's never incredible. like I, you you always want to get better and you're always you know like I said analytics were something that were they were you know, frowned upon, not even frowned upon, just kind of shunned. Everybody's afraid of change. When change is good, change brings about, you know, transformation and, and bettering yourself, you know, adding a cutter, taking a cutter away. You just, you want to learn. You learn as much as you can. And, and one thing about baseball is, and you guys especially know, diving in, you're never going to know everything there is to know. And when you think that, you know, the smartest people that I've ever met are, the first people to admit that they don't know something and they want to learn about it. And so, you know, that's kind of one of the best pieces of advice I've got is to always ask questions, you know, especially to people that, that know the answer. So yeah, I appreciate you guys sharing. Yeah. Listen, Jerry, uh, you know, I'm so happy that we had you on because people can finally, um, the people who aren't as familiar with you can now see, uh, just your nature. And, uh, you know, just to be sincere here for a second, the fact that you're willing to take an hour at a year time and talk to Nick and I about pitching and to, you know, you're someone that that has DM'd me and has been just a constant uh, um source of of knowledge and uh of kindness and that's a rare thing. So from Nick and I, we can't thank you enough for for just talking with us for an hour, man. I mean, we really, really appreciate it. So thanks so much for that. Yeah, really. Thank oh. you, man. Yeah, my pleasure, man. We we all love the same game, and we're we're doing our best to try to make it better every day. So uh, the appreciation's on all ends. So uh, yeah, good luck staying uh, staying in shape with Trevor Cahill. Uh, we'll be 
We'll be rooting for you, of course, uh, with the Giants um, when that hopefully starts up. I'm aiming July, please. I'm just crossing my fingers, July. I just we are too. I hope so. But we better really... see that mustache. Yes, yes. <laughs> we, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I promise. Like, uh, if it comes out, if I get fresh wax, we'll see. I might spread the news. You guys, Twitter's Twitter and Instagram. You might see uh, some close-ups. Oh, well, I'm start Jerry's stash as soon as we get off. <laughs> Let's well, do it. You're across the bay from Mike Fire, so you have some competition there too. So yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking that. of beards, that man can grow. A beard, even if it, it turns into a cattail thing. Uh, the fact that he can put that in there, that's impressive. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, man. All right. Well, speaking of Twitter, you can follow Jerry on Twitter at Jerry Blevins. Jerry, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for hanging with us, man. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it, man.